Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Fearscape Media Network. Exploring the unknown. One podcast at a time. Hello, Blanket Huggers. Stefan here. On March 28, 2021, Josh and I received a message through our website's Submit a Sighting form from someone claiming to be Terry R. Wrist, the man referenced in Hell Here, and the man interviewed by Alan Greenfield in Secret Cipher of the Euphonauts. From there, we received a number of cryptic emails filled with information on places to search for answers to the larger mystery of the quest and journey Josh and I have been on. So we decided, fake or not, we should take it seriously, as much of the information given panned out and definitely opened our eyes to many new things. So we enlisted the help of Astral Stew co-host Santosh and Fearscape guest and Greenfield's publisher Olaf Phillips. Together the four of us have been digging deeper and deeper into not only the true identity of our source of paranormal gold, whether he is the Terry Wrist or not, but also into the mystery of the information given us. It has led us to some amazing doors into such things as the Secret Space Program, Hollow Earth, Darrow and Tarot, caves, underground bases, government cover-ups and conspiracies, and so much more. So if you would like to learn more about these emails, Terry's advice on where to look for more high strangeness, and our conversations and discoveries thus far, please become a monthly subscriber to our Patreon called Wristwatch at fearscapepodcast.com slash support or patreon.com slash fearscapepod. There you can get access to the emails themselves, the WhatsApp conversation about it all with Josh, myself, Santosh, and Olaf, and even any new clues that we have found. You can even join the investigation and add anything you have found to help us dive deeper into the mystery. You will also get access to other Fearscape-related things, such as extended interviews with guests not aired on the show, early access to Estes sessions with us and friends, and so much more. Wristwatch is a Patreon exclusive for our most dedicated fans. Join today and discover why the truth is now. Thank you for tuning in to Fearscape Paranormal Podcast. We are on a journey to understand and to discover the phenomena that seems to exist all around the globe. We invite you to join us on this journey into the unknown. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another out of this world, past the moon, past the United States, in that order, episode of Fearscape Paranormal Podcast. Here on the Fearscape Media Network, I am your host, Stefan Gearhart, and I am joined, as always, by the sassy McPansy co-host himself, 
Josh McPancy Fancy Sassy Rutledge. What's up, brah? I am feeling spectacular. You should be because you're actually in Phoenix next to me yep. in IRL, as the kiddos say, in real life. I was wondering what IRL stood for. So. Man, you need to get hip, bro. <laughs> there, you know, there should be like some sort of a, uh, I feel like Urban Dictionary needs an app. I, I, do they not have no, one? They don't, it's, it's only on the website. I'm always surprised when like very popular things don't yeah. have apps that are already a popular online thing. Yeah, I know. Like Pornhub? Where is the app? There is an app. Oh, there is? It's just not available in the store. Oh, well, never mind. I, I was just joking about <laughs> Pornhub because uh, I, don't, I don't go there because I got a wife. Yeah. Uh, but anyways, uh, yeah, so we have a very, very fantastic episode tonight. And I say this because, yet again, we got another bucket list uh, guest tonight. We are getting spooky with author and the niece of the famous duo of UFO yeah. abductees that I know, Betty and Barney Hill, um, one of the very first uh, outspoken uh, abductee cases in the United States, probably, if not the world. Yeah, probably arguably, arguably um, the case that put abductees on the map. For sure. And uh, we, I mean, I can't tell you how many times we've talked about Betty and Barney Hill no. on the show, um, but we've got her. She has written a story. Um, written a book that right. kind of uh, goes over way more than the original oh, yeah. uh, book that was written back in the day uh, by someone else. Uh, this is a closer connection, and uh, we're very, very excited to talk to her, uh, and we'll get to that shortly. Um, but Josh, I just wanted to say, man, it, it looks good on you. What? Phoenix. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, thanks. I met him last night. Yeah. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, no, I just wanted to remind folks uh, a big thank you already to those that have joined our Patreon. We yeah. love you guys so, so much. Uh, more to come. But yeah, like we said uh, last time, we've got so many new tiers. We've got all kinds of cool stuff going on. And this is a great way to help support us, yep. help us uh, do the things that we do, and to help us support even our network that you we're know, running out there. And just to highlight one little feature in one of the tiers, uh, you like Crypt of the Week, you like you ap signing of the week at the uh, veteran tier you get to contribute you get to read uh cryptid of the week or uap sign of the week we'll put it in a podcast episode yep. you'll instead of uh, our lovely voices we get to hear your lovely voice yeah. uh read one of those so we're super excited about that um but yeah anyways i wanted to uh get moving um you know before i say make sure to like share and <laughs> review our podcast now i wanted to get to our first podcast uh segment of the week which of course is psychic word of the week <laughs> i bet you guys already knew that and now, the psychic word of the week. All right, psychic word of the week comes from the Encyclopedic Psychic Dictionary from June G. Bletzer, PhD. Rest in peace, honey bear. I miss you, and I've never even met you. Uh, if any of your relatives are listening, I, I would love to talk to you. Hit me up. Uh, anyways, uh, we uh, randomly uh, pulled a number out of the hat, uh, and it was the first part of the Ghostbusters phone number, which is 555. <laughs> um, and so uh, we turned to page 555, and I looked down, and I saw the phrase, seven major rays. Now, if you guys are an unsensitive listener, uh, this is not Ray Robinson. There's not seven 
uh, no. Ray Robinson. So he I'll, would love that. Although, what if Ray Robinson is one of the seven major rays? Oh, I mean, he is a major ray. I mean, like the two major, like three major rays in my life: Ray Robinson, Ray Stance, and Ray Charles. Ray Liotta's got to be up there too. Oh yeah, he's number four. He's number four. Yeah. Uh, Ray Romano is not on the list. He's the eighth. He's the eighth one. He's, <laughs> he didn't make the cut. He, he didn't make the cut. <laughs> oh, I'm so sad I didn't make the cut. Oh, God, I'm a minor Ray. <laughs> Ray. Anyways, here's what June says about seven major rays. She says, uh, this is esoteric. She says, colored wavelengths emanating from the great white light, visible to mankind in the form of a rainbow, interrelates with the seven planes in the etheric world, and with the seven centers in human beings, manifestation of the seven great cosmic periods. So, so basically, seven energetic lights is what yeah. we're looking at. It's so, the chakras, there's seven, right? Santosh is going to kill well, me. I'm not right. So, I think that, yes, the official, uh, there is seven, but I think there's more than seven, but most people only talk about the seven. One, two, three. Are you, what are you counting above crown? Well, the the one that's up here. But that's crown, isn't it? I guess I don't know. I, I don't. I don't deal with chakras. Um, so one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Yeah, there are seven rays of light in the. That's why I thought she was talking about yeah. with the human beings. I'm surprised but, she didn't just say chakras. But you know what's really interesting? Um, in the uh, single box of crayons, you get eight. Well, that's Ray Liotta. I mean, uh, Ray Romano. But what's, what's nobody th- uses the white crayon, Josh? <laughs> I'm not, I mean, I use the white crayon. <laughs> <laughs> Except uh, for that one day where the teacher's like, "Today we're going to use black construction paper." Right. Everybody's like, "Yes!" So finally, I can use the white, white crayon. crayon. Yeah, <laughs> I'm going to draw a skeleton because, or, oh yeah, or a ghost, <laughs> or a go- what else is there? Snow. Right. Yeah, I'm going to draw a snowman. I'm going to draw a white polar bear. I'm going to draw the whitest thing that I can think of, and uh, Perry Como. I'm going to yeah. draw Perry Como. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so seven rays, that major rays, that makes a lot of sense. And, uh, you know, I, I like that, that talking about the great white light. I mean, we use white light all the time. I never thought about it separating into the different colors. You know, something I, I was reading recently is that um, if you have LED uh, light bulbs in your house, which most people probably do at this point yeah. in time, um, the white light from the LED bulb is not the same kind of light as what you would get from like the sun or a candle or whatever the case may be that like things look still look different when it's more natural mm-hmm. light than artificial. I mean we grew up in the 80s dude I need my yellow lights I need 60 watt and less 60 watt and less if, if you, I need more I've got a book light if you walk into a room and flip the switch on and you don't hear a hum then <laughs> there's something wrong <laughs> I even like, though, I like that they've started coming out the last couple of years with yellow LED lights, you know, yeah, uh, so that you can still have that color, but have, you know, the bulbs that are going to last forever. So right. I think that's cool. Oh, I think we've drugged this on. Um, yeah. So, uh, yeah, definitely enlightened. Now. Seven great rays. No, Sorry. Seven, seven grays. Is that what you're seven major rays. Sorry, Ray Romano. Yeah. I do like your cheese. Though. I mean, if you would like to, like, you know, petition to be raised uh, on the list. Is that pun intended? And, and raised? 
Oh, my God. Welcome to Bob and Tom's Paranormal yeah, really. Show. Um, anyways, let's move on to our next segment of the week, which is the UFO sighting of the week. All right, Josh, what's our UFO, UAP, USO, whatever? There's so many terms now. Uh, sighting of the week that we can go over, which, of course, I wanted to make sure we did this because we got, you know, Kathleen coming on the show. So this needed to yeah. happen. So what do we got? So, yeah, so this actually happened um, 624. So this morning. <laughs> Damn. We are. So we recorded on 624 and it happened this morning. Yeah, so um, this happened in Salisbury, Mar- uh, Maryland. They make good steaks. Yeah. Unless they have mushroom. I don't want to celebrate with mushroom steak. Anyways, here we go. For the life of me, I can't remember the exact day. There was a new TCBY near my friend Tom's apartment. We walked over before it closes to try some yogurt. On the walk back, we were in an alley behind that leaded to his apartment. We look up and see the disc just hovering above the buildings. Just as we were trying to figure out what the heck we were looking at, it starts slowly going back and forth, almost like it was trying to gain momentum. Then all of a sudden, it shot off up in the sky. Then all of a sudden, it shot off up in the sky. So like, basically which i mean it kind of reminds me of like they're signing me some backyard right it's just all of a sudden like just yeah well it got really big right and then zoomed out i mean just like the one i saw here too i mean it it, it all those three lights went into one and then yep. just shot away yep. like i just need i just need a ufo to just be like no i'm still here bro <laughs> <laughs> hey well, i mean like on the bridge of the craft <laughs> the 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 person controlling it you know et ut whatever i wonder if they're like do they have a catchphrase like Picard like make it so or, <laughs> yeah you know is there like blink, engage blink, 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 blink. You, know, you know it goes yeah or they're up there and they've got signs that say hey we can see you or do you wave like you do whenever you're on a boat or you see a boat you're like oh hey yeah <laughs> well I mean you wave at airplanes right so I mean it's- I've never waved at airplanes well okay that's a lie I just did it today <laughs> not even gonna lie all right uh well thank you for that I, I love that I love especially and uh Jason McClellan will be excited too because we love our flying saucers and since we right. got a disc shaped one Right. Always room, but I'm going to talk about the most unbelievable thing in there. Okay, the thing that I don't believe, a new TCBY. Yeah, so I realized in going back and reading it that it was reported today, but it happened in 1990. Okay, I was about to say yeah. I was like, because I know there's some holdouts. Like there wasn't <laughs> one in Louisville on uh, uh, what was that road? I can't remember for Brownsboro for like a minute. It was like hanging on there for quite some time and it finally closed down and then i was like well is maryland where it's from yeah. you know maybe that's why because it's like when all the bojangles left yeah. you could still go out to south carolina and it's get like, it like you know there aren't any early any earlers around louisville except for like one or two locations yeah well they just reopened those two in yeah. louisville so yeah i mean that went away forever so but yeah okay i'm glad to know it was in the 90s now because i was like come on man the city's <laughs> buzz yogurt was still around and it was a new one yeah uh, anyway, they rebranded. They rebranded. <laughs> TKBY. Yeah. 
the killers bust yoga. Um, <laughs> anyways, let's move on, man. Uh, I want to thank you for that. Um, but I do want to get moving because uh, you hit me up with some uh, saying you got some creepy ketchup. I had some creepy ketchup. And so let's go ahead and move right into creepy ketchup before we get into our uh, interview with Kathleen Martin. Creepy ketchup. Creepy ketchup. Creepy ketchup. Creepy ketchup. Y'all, it's creepy. All right, Josh. You'll go first. You. I, I got. I don't know. Mine's pretty good too. But paper, I rock, mean, scissors. Yeah. All right. One, two, three, shoot. <laughs> One, two, three, shoot. All right, All you right. win. So you, you go first. Um, by the way, the first time was both scissors. Yep. Second time, paper. I had rock, rock. and I lost. Yep, so. There you go. All right. So what's your creepy ketchup? Yeah. So uh, first of all, the place we're staying while we're here uh, for this week um, has a ghost. Ooh. So, what's his, what's its name? I don't know. Don't know a name. I want to infer. I've only seen, um, like, I woke up uh, one night and. Um, looked over at like the room we sleep in has a little bathroom area so we looked over towards the bathroom area and i saw like a gray mist come out of the bathroom and then just like walk into the closet mm. now are you staying in a hotel or an airbnb it's an airbnb airbnb okay so it's a house or an old yeah. apartment or whatever yeah. mm. um and like i said it came out of the bathroom and it just like walked into the closet now, now listen i'm gonna say we're in phoenix so the idea of a mist, a fog, yeah. is not happening. So uh, it's too dry for that shit. So yeah. I'm pretty intrigued. So, and then this morning in the same bathroom, I was taking a shower and uh, had the door closed so as to not disturb uh, Kristen. She was still asleep. And um, something cast a shadow across the shower doors from outside the, from outside the, sh- the shower. And there's nothing there. It's just a light. Oh, so it's not like from a window? No, there's no oh. window in there. But something cast a shadow across the doors. Mm-mm. Nope. Bye. I would have already so. just said, I need to get my money back. I'm going to be going to Stefan's house and stay in there. Cause... So you want to hear something uh, really funny is that, uh, quick unrelated, but, you know, so Kristen's here. She's in the other room while we're recording this. Um, she heard me, so she just sent me a message and said, we're freaking moving. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. I'm going to have to find another place to stay for the last two nights. These walls are thin. <laughs> um, I, um, I, I did want to say, too, you went up to Sedona and got your palm read for the I first did. time. That's that, cool. was a, that was a really interesting experience. And, and I tried not to. I, I tried to treat it very much like an experiment. I, like I didn't really give mm-hmm. the person a lot of information to see, you know, what she would tell me. And, and she said things that were, you know, spot on to my personality. You know, that's really cool. Um, so you know, yeah, it's something I actually have never done. Like not professionally. I think Santosh and I in college, like we had a book, and so we were trying yeah. to read each other's poems and stuff. But I never had that done. Well, and, it, and, and she actually went a little farther. Like she, you know, recommended. Uh, a stone to help me ground mm-hmm. and things like that. Probably so, some lotion. No. For your nasty hands. No, my hands are nice. I know because you've never worked a day in your life. <laughs> but she did say that I have a, I have square hands, which means that I'm good with my hands. Uh oh. Yeah. Did your wife hear that one through the wall? She <laughs> did. She <laughs> did. She heard it through the through the curtain. Actually. <laughs> through the curtain. But anyway, so that was not even my. So the ghost in the. In the uh, That's not even like the big. No, oh no. lord. So, last night, um, 
got done eating dinner and decided uh, on a whim to drive to like a really dark area to try to see mm-hmm. the night sky. So we drove up. Um, I can't remember the lake, but it's like like northwest of like Peoria area. So that would be Lake Pleasant then. There you go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we drove up there. Well, first of all, the lake area, like, we couldn't get down to the lake area. It was closed. But so like, Yeah, because that's a state park. So I like, just pulled off on the side of the road. Um, and uh, we're looking at, at stars, which we couldn't see that much because it was like a 99% of a full moon. I mean, it wasn't a full oh, moon, yeah. but it was, you know, it was just so bright in the sky. It's you, enough. You couldn't, <laughs> couldn't see. But so I was like, well, let's just, you know, sit down here and look. So I, I didn't have any of my stuff. I didn't have my camera. I didn't have laser pointer. All I had was a flashlight. So we're sitting there and I'm looking out the, the window and towards like the southwest, this uh, light starts moving in the sky and it flashes twice and then it goes dark and then it like moves up and it flashes twice and it kind of zigzags around and and um you know Kristen sees it too and she's like it looks like an airplane so i pull up my airplane app i was like no it's not an airplane so i take my flashlight and i and i kind of flick it uh flicker it at the light with my flashlight and it disappears (laughs) they're like oh shit yeah so we wait maybe a few minutes you know go by some cars pass us and stuff like that it comes up again same little area zigzagging around i flash it with the light disappears wow so then we wait a little bit longer and um of course you know Kristen's like well it was probably a satellite like well it's not as really i mean i know what satellites look like moving across the sky so a few minutes later there's a light moving across the light like okay here look at this one this is probably a satellite should check your satellite app well it wasn't i mean it was too bright and erratic to be a satellite but anyway oh i know but i mean for burden of proof yeah so I see one though that I, you know, I was like, "Hey, this is probably a satellite." Well, we're watching it and it's tracking across the sky, and then all of a sudden it makes a ninety degree turn. No it way! It starts zigzagging across the sky, and I and I like take my flashlight again and I put it on the strobe light and it disappears. No way! That's crazy because yeah, I mean, I uh, now listen. I hope your wife knows that uh, air machines do not move in different directions no. like that. So um, that's some pretty good proof, I think, not just for you, but hopefully for her as well. Well, and that's like, you know, again, on a whim, we drove out there, didn't have any of my camera stuff. So it was, I felt like we were there to see those things mm-hmm. for her. Yeah. So. That's what I took it as. Mm-hmm. Man, you could have done the CE five uh, stuff, and well, then you, you could have seen some more. She was she was also a little a little freaking out because there were like we could hear bushes and stuff rustling, and on the way out <laughs> to, to to the to the middle of nowhere, um, we were listening to uh, captured the Betty. <laughs> 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 so, well, there you go. Well, yeah. I mean, there's definitely coyotes out there and javelinas, yeah, on uh, rabbits and all kinds of stuff. Right. So, yeah. I mean, could have been anything. <clears throat> so that's so that's so my well. creepy ketchup. So my creepy ketchup. It's like you jinxed me when you're like the other day or whenever last week or whenever the last time when we were like, man, you haven't had a uh, night hag in a while. <laughs> And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I have it. Well, thanks, because I did last night. <laughs> um, for the first time, I think I've only had one since I've been here. Maybe, maybe two. Um, but yeah, I was like, like, I was sleeping on the couch. And I will remark, I was sleeping on my back. Mm. I was sleeping on my back, but I fell asleep on the couch watching Scooby-Doo. Now, I don't think that Scooby-Doo had anything to do with this. Okay. But I was watching <laughs> Scooby-Doo and uh, I fell asleep. Um, well, anyways, I wake up 
to just heavy breathing like mm -hmm. and so i'm thinking am i snoring is something wrong what's going on and uh standing at the end of the couch where my feet are is this black creature different than the ones i normally see so it's not the ones with like the gangly arms and things like that this was a little more classic it was like hooded almost and all i could see were the red eyes um but hooded um standing there but still like super black um all the way top to bottom and i can't move and i'm like something feels weird about this i don't like this and i'm like thinking in my head josh said it might be nice and so i'm like projecting hey i don't fear you i'm here whatever you need and then it was like i'm not sure if i blinked or what but i'm gonna say i blinked and it was gone from the edge of my bed and out of the corner of my eye i see it next to me like its face is like right next to me and it leans in and whispers in my ear and says you need to fear me hmm. and then boom i was out again and woke up the next morning but it was like a whisper though so yeah. it was like you need to fear me like that yeah like <laughs> I was like, hey, Josh is wrong. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that's what happened to me last night. Um, Which um, it, it, it's interesting that it was hooded because uh, it makes me think about the uh, show we did with um, uh, M.R. Gorga and him talking about his thing that he saw was hooded as well. Yep. Uh, Brad, a lot of Brad's night hags were hooded. I've heard of some other ones. I, that was a new one for me. So, but yeah, very spooky. Um, not looking forward to going to bed tonight because that really got to me because I was like, I don't fear you. Josh said I should see what you have to say. Sorry, man. Yeah. Next Do, time. Again, doesn't mean that all night hags are bad yeah, or whatever, right. but this one was an asshole is all I'm going to say. So anyways, let's get moving on. Uh, we're going to go ahead and take a very small break here real quick. Uh, and when we come back, uh, we're going to check out uh, this great getting spooky interview with Kathleen Martin. Uh, so stick around after the break. Uh, we love you guys. Be back. Good evening, dear friends. I am your headmister, Stefan Gearhart. And I am your co-mister, the man with no name, Lance Wayne. And we are the Misters of the Dark. Join us as we discuss everything from horror books, films, and even pretty princesses. Join us every other Tuesday in our dilapidated mansion. You never know what's going to happen next. Only on the Fearscape Media Network. <laughs> That's a good laugh. Welcome back, everybody. Uh, coming back, we're going to be talking here with uh, Kathleen Martin. Uh, as we said, the niece of um, uh, Betty uh, Hill from the uh, Betty and Barney Hill uh, abduction, as well as the author of uh, several books, but the one we're really talking and focused on today is Captured, uh, the uh, Betty and Barney Hill UFO Experience. So welcome, Kathleen. Welcome. Thank you. Nice to be with you. This is an absolute pleasure, Kathleen. Um, we absolutely you. love your work. Um, of course, we're huge fans of Betty and Barney. Of course, that's, uh, that's something we've talked about from the get-go. Um, many shows, <laughs> many shows, we reference it quite a bit. So this is a, a cool little bucket list thing for us. And we thank you so much for taking your time. My pleasure. 
So um, I just wanted to say in I have a couple of mental notes that I want to make sure to talk about today. <laughs> but um, but you know the the book um, uh, captured um, is a is a phenomenal. Uh, a phenomenal writing, phenomenal uh, the way it's put together and assembled and, and, and the flow of uh, the way facts are presented. So, I mean, again, I just, I love the book is basically what I'm trying to say. <laughs> I like to hear that. <laughs> Same. You know, my first experience was the original book written about Betty and Barney Hill and just an uh, such a difference, you know, not necessarily, yes. you know, writing was different back then, of course, blah, blah, blah. But just so much more in depth. It's less. Um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Not fantastical, but you know, um, whatever. You know what I mean? When they blow <laughs> it up in a newspaper article. <laughs> yes, you know what I mean. It. it yeah. It, it, it's just it's it's in depth and it's it's fantastic and it's touching. It's a for me. It's a it's a, a delivery of a very um, fact based case. Right. You you really lay out. Um, a lot of the pre-information, anytime that you reference uh, someone else's work, you give background information on that person to establish them as a witness, as a credible witness. I mean, it's a very um, almost lawyer type assembly of a case. And I, again, I appreciate it. So, Yes. And, you know, I, I believe that UFO cases, particularly abduction cases, uh, should be tried in a court of law rather than a court of science. Yes. Because uh, the scientific evidence, there is scientific evidence, but the science of today does not accept that evidence readily. Yeah, I mean, it's, um, we, we've talked about this before, is that it seems like a lot of um, modern science um, almost looks at science is almost like their religion and anything that challenges their understanding of what is modern science uh, must be you know false or fake or whatever the case may be so you know i think that a lot of scientists nowadays um struggle with uh even just pondering the possibilities beyond our current understanding Yes, and, and scientists today, and I'm not criticizing scientists, not at but all. the mainstream scientists are looking for one piece of evidence, not 50 pieces of evidence, mm. only one. And that one is supposed to prove that these are extraterrestrials coming from some distant star system. And what one piece of evidence can prove that. It, it's more like evidence in a court of law because mm -hmm. there are so many pieces of evidence that yeah. all combine uh, to uh, win the case, you right. might yeah. say. Well, we talked about it because I watch, I watch and listen to a lot of true crime and you see how many cases have uh, been, they've convicted folks on witness accounts alone, not a shred of evidence, just a witness account yes. um, and finding out these witnesses made things up or whatever. But yet when it comes to this, witness accounts account for nothing. Um, it's interesting and it, it's funny to me because I'm like, for the scientists that are in that realm, they get just as mad at the flat earthers because the flat earthers will say, well, no, I'm saying it's flat because I have not seen it round. 
And that's their justification is show me that it's round. Take me to outer space and show me that it's round. And you can't do that because you can't just take anybody to outer space. So they say, therefore, it's flat. Well, the scientists do the same thing. They're like, show me the actual UFO. Show me the alien. Put it in my garage and let's dissect it. Then I'll believe you. <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. The same thing. Yes. Show me one piece of evidence that can be taken to the National Academy of Sciences, which, by the way, is a politically connected organization, and they will verify that this is extraterrestrial. Well, and it it seems like a lot of a lot of science uh, comes at the UFO uh, phenomenon Um, from a stance of, okay, you think it's E.T., so therefore I'm going to do all the science to prove it's not E.T., as opposed to I'm just going to do all these experiments on what you've collected and come to our own conclusions without any preconceived idea of what I'm trying to disprove. Mm -hmm. And let me use Dr. Roger Lear, the late Roger Lear, as an example. He did have very good evidence in the implants that he removed from Mm -hmm. abductees' bodies. Uh, They were highly unusual. They were connected to proprioceptic nerves, uh, little nerve endings on each end of that uh, implant. And then it was coated with a, a very tough substance. When the scientists cut it open, they realized it was of uh, crystalline structure, nanotechnology, far in advance of anything that we had. Also, uh, it was made of rare earths mm-hmm. and meteoric material. Yeah, I, I think I watched a, a documentary that was called like the eighth, the eighth patient or the ninth patient or something like that, and it was talking a lot about the work that Dr. Lear was doing. And how they actually did uh, meta, uh, what is it called, meta, metallurgical analysis of one of the items that were taken out of this particular patient that they were following, mm-hmm. and it had um, like 156 different isotopes present in this tiny little sample. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, what they were talking with a metallurgist, and he was saying that's, you know, in most of the things that we create on Earth, there's maybe five different isotopes this was a hundred and something well beyond what our current manufacturing uh you know processes would allow Mm -hmm. and one of those implants broadcast into deep space and it eventually turned itself off after a certain period of time but you know (laughs) what happened to dr roger lear is uh, after he passed away he was debunked. They said that he was. Uh, he lied. He uh, exaggerated. Mm-hmm. They tried to destroy his reputation, and that's what they try to do to every scientist connected to the UFO field. Yeah, yeah and I mean, still kind of do. I mean, you know, uh, I'm sure we'll tap into this with tomorrow supposedly being disclosure day. Um, but yeah, it still happens. And, and and it happens a lot, just like you said, after someone passes when they can't defend themselves. Mm-hmm. Well, and it, and, and it, there seems to be such a, it, it's almost like I would, I would like to go to the scientists or even in just individuals who say this can't happen um, in, in, you know, it's odd that the burden of proof is always placed on, uh, people who are quote unquote believers, 
Uh, but the burden of proof is, is never placed on the person uh, who has a problem with whatever you're explaining. So there's always some weather balloon, swamp gas, uh, you know, <laughs> explanation, but never, a, a you know, okay, show me how what I saw could have been a weather balloon. Go out and get a weather balloon, put it up in the sky. Let's take a video of it. Let's compare it to this other video and let's see if that's, you know, matches instead mm -hmm. of just, it was swamp gas, you know. <laughs> well, my co-author on three books uh, captured the Betty and Barney Hill UFO experience. Science was wrong. And fact fiction and flying saucers was nuclear physicist Stanton T. Friedman. Love that Stanton man. graduated first <laughs> in his high school class. He was accepted to MIT, but didn't have the money to go. So he ended up getting bachelor's and master's degrees from the University of Chicago and worked highly successfully as a nuclear physicist for, uh, I believe it was 11 years uh, be uh, before he became interested in uh, UFOs and, and having a, a career doing that. Mm -hmm. But when I watched mainstream television shows about Stanton, he was never introduced as a nuclear physicist. He was introduced as a UFO believer or mm -hmm. a UFO promoter. Yeah, it's the same thing. Like uh, we had Ralph Blumenthal on and he just wrote that book about John Mack. And it was yes. the same thing, how they tried to just destroy John Mack. And he had so many qualifications. <laughs> like, I mean, he even went into it as a non-believer, which is even better. And he came out of it a believer. Even uh, Ralph said yes. he was a non-believer until he started researching John Mack. And then he became a believer. Uh-huh. Well, <laughs> that's good. I'm glad he did. Yeah. I did an interview with with him for Vanity Fair magazine about oh maybe four or five years ago wow yeah he's he's come along I mean he he shared with us and he still tries to be hesitant about it but he's just like a lot's changed <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> but yeah Josh the same thing is like with ghosts I, I say the same thing a, 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 a skeptic can come in and say oh well that door could have been blown open and that would have been a, a breeze well Show me how that could have happened. I, right. I can also say, well, it could have been someone who passed on and left their spirit behind and opened that door. We now share the same experience here. I can't prove mine. You can't prove yours. Right. So. Mm -hmm. We well, can't prove a negative, right? Right. So. Right. You can't. <laughs> um, so I wanted to just real quick, um, and I'm and I'm I'm hoping that uh, I'm going to try not to give anything away in the book, but. Um, I had a question, and I wanted to know your insight uh, or thoughts on it. But in the uh, in the book, there's a pretty early on, and it talks about you know some of the things that Barney said uh, as they were you know kind of watching what was happening and before they actually were were taken. And he made the comment, um, and it's actually repeated several times in the book. Uh, oh no, not again! Um, and I I kind of honed in on that, and I wondered if uh, there's another part in the book where it talks about Barney was. Uh, e more easily hypnotized um, and he had deeper trances mm -hmm. uh, than Betty did and I wondered if um, maybe that was not the first time Barney had been abducted possibly I, I question whether uh, they were had both been abducted previously mm -hmm. the reason for that is that I've worked on three major uh, studies on experiencers totaling more than 5,000 wow. people. The, the latest one that I worked on was done by 
the Mutual UFO Network's experience or research team. I was the director of that team for 10 years. Mm-hmm. And what we determined in uh, was that the majority of abductees and experiences, we, we, we had different characteristics for them, mm-hmm. but they uh, were taken for the first time when they were less than 20 years old. Over, I think it was 75% mm. were taken for the first time when they were less than 20. Now, Betty and Barney, when they were taken, uh, Barney was 39 and Betty was 42, I believe yeah. it was. And so, um, you know, why would they be taken for the first time right. then? So I suspect it was just their time to be picked up. Yeah. I didn't want to think about that. Uh, previously you know back when I read the book because I wasn't uh, doing a lot of speculating but I am now uh, based upon all of the information that I've collected in in these studies that I've worked on and you know when uh, after Barney walked into the field and looked up at this craft and the non-human entities looking down at him, all uh, all but one moved to a panel on the back. And when that happened, little red lights started to slide out on fin-like structures and something started to drop out of the bottom of the craft. And he thought he was going to be taken, gonna be captured. Went running back to the car, hopped in, saw the craft coming in his direction, went speeding down the highway and uh, within uh, a little while not long at all uh, he and betty heard a series of code-like buzzing sounds striking Mm -hmm. the trunk of the car and uh, the car vibrated and a tingling sensation passed through their bodies well whenever experiencers are taken generally there's a tingling sensation Mm. that passes through their bodies and with those buzzing sounds on the trunk that left shiny concentric circles on the trunk of that car that were magnetic magnetic, it makes me wonder if that strong electromagnetic field from that craft actually picked the car up betty and barney didn't entertain that idea but as i was doing my research on the book i had that difficulty uh, in their hypnosis tapes they only made one turn off route three well you can't make just one turn off route three and get to the abduction site Mm. you have to make one two three turns Mm. well what what kind of uh, struck me about it in in something that again this is all speculation at this point but um is um the 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 ta- the tones that were hitting the car um this is going back a, a few years but when you used to get a universal remote for your tv you know you go to walmart or someplace to get a universal remote you'd come home and it would run through and cycle through all the different codes until your tv did something and then it would say okay is this the right you know did we find the right code so it made me think is are they bouncing all these frequencies out trying to find the right signal to control their car and then they find it and then they take control because barney also talks about how he made a sudden left turn that he didn't intend to make 
Right. And so, you know, did, you know, were they controlling the vehicles, you know? I think at some point they were controlling the vehicle because he made that one turn. And on the hypnosis tape, he talks about, I made a turn and I don't know why I had to make that turn, he says to Dr. Simon. Yeah, I mean, and it's, um, you know, in thinking about the the possibility of, of pre, um, you know, was, was this not the first time? I know that um, uh, Barney was in the military during World War II, um, and there was, we know, a lot of activity with, like, the Foo Fighters and things like that. Well, not that. only so, that, I was going to bring up, too, I mean, even with African Americans, you had the Tuskegee experiments and things like that. I mean, we we are pretty certain the Nazis had some crafts and some things like that. That you know, who knows if when he said, "Oh no, not again," was he having PTSD from something yeah. that happened in the military? Because that's yeah. a perfect place for that to have happened. Uh, I I can only tell you that uh, he uh, when he was released from the army, uh, he had been at uh, the at a proving ground now what was it it's in virginia yeah and uh he was released in fair condition uh it some type of bomb maybe a grenade had exploded uh hit him in the chest he had a lot of scars on his chest uh caught knocked his teeth out uh, yeah so I remember. he had to wear dentures and well, i wonder know. if that's what caused the fatal uh, brain bleed in yeah. 1969 yeah. that he had. Um, I know that a percussion accident can cause a weakening of the blood yeah. vessels in the brain. I, my next door neighbor was a medical doctor uh, who was in served in the Middle East, and he was in an explosion, and he came home and had a stroke. Yeah, that's actually um, uh, been a lot of. Uh, I watched several. Uh, TV shows that are rather military in, in nature, um, like uh, talk about you know people who are in the military and, and doing things in the military. And one of the things that one of these shows focused like three episodes on was um, how important it is for soldiers to ask about um, uh, the injuries that could be internal to the to the to the head that it may not be evident uh, when they come back or they were, you know, in an IED explosion or something like that that didn't, you know, kill them, didn't maybe even cause them to, to lose any limbs or anything, but maybe there was other trauma that they didn't recognize. And so that is, a, I think, a big thing that people are starting to to think about is you may get into an accident, you may have a, be close to an explosion or something, and, and you may not have any physical physical damage, but there may be something going on in there that, you don't know about it just one day suddenly you're just gonna have an aneurysm or something and that's to be the end of it so right yes that's what happened to well and then you add all that stress i mean the, the 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 biggest thing for me is is the fact that they were an interracial couple which already the last thing you want to do is put your put your face on a map right on national media to be harassed i, I don't right. care if you're in the northeast or not it was everywhere were racist and and excuse my language but assholes and so already you've got that to deal with um before the ufo stuff and then on top of that and then being stressed about being called a liar and all of that things i mean i just can't imagine the stress that they both went through especially barney because that male pride especially back then 
I just, I can't, uh, how brave. (laughs) It's not only that, they did not go public. They said they were never going to go public. There was a violation of confidentiality. Mm -hmm. That year, when that violation happened in late October, that very year, 1965, Betty and Barney had been invited guests at Lyndon Johnson's inauguration. I went with them. Uh, Barney had been given an award by Sergeant Shriver from the Federal Property Program for setting up the Rockingham County Community Action Program with other citizens. But he served as the first uh, chairman of the board of directors. He also received an award from the Archdiocese of Manchester, New Hampshire, for setting up a literacy program. And he was appointed to the U.S. Commission on Civil Rights State Advisory Committee. You put all of those things together, and that is a great man. Mm -hmm. That is a man who is highly respected. That is a man who is not going to go around saying, uh, I've been abducted by aliens. No, that destroyed Barney's life when he was outed. And even his even his reputation. I mean, no one no one speaks about his other work. You know, I, I love hearing you talk more about it because. He did a lot for that movement and, and all of that to, to hell the both of them did. And, and I, I hate that it gets overshadowed by this. Um, and, and but at the same time, I also love it, too, uh, for obvious reasons. But, yeah, I mean, what a remarkable gentleman. And, and yeah, the stress, like I said, that had to go, especially for him, because he's he was the one that was in the scarier position then. Absolutely. Absolutely. He was the most vulnerable. Uh, Betty was a social worker for the state of New Hampshire. She was very politically involved, too, and in all of the things that Barney did. But uh, Betty was a different kind of person. (laughs) She didn't care what people thought about her. Really? She, she reminds me so much of my grandmother because my grandmother was very much like that. She had a, a grandmother that was a socialite and like just was widowed at like 20 years old. And oh she never remarried like her her kids. You know, she had kids at 18 and 19 and she had uh, no because she was married at 16. So she had like three or four kids and then went on blah. But so she was always telling my grandmother, she was always like, you need to, you know, be a woman and let me show you what we can do and she was in the early suffragette movement and all of that stuff and so my grandmother learned a lot from her so anytime i read the sassiness of betty i'm always like that's my grandma phyllis right there (laughs) yes yes and you know my grandmother betty's mother Mm -hmm. was a suffragette too so very i love that i that's one of my favorite things because i love that sassy personality just that i don't care because my grandmother that's what she taught me too like i've always been kind of a big guy but i never cared because she just taught me who cares just love yourself and you know just fight for the people you love that's all that matters (laughs) yes well i i sort of started to ignore the disinformants and the debunkers they call them debunkers but they put the bunk in they don't yeah. take the bunk out so i call them yeah. disinformants yeah but uh you know i as far as i'm concerned they're just adult bullies they don't tell the yeah. truth they enter speculation and character assassination and i've told just told them quite a long time ago that if they would like to come to my home 
I have a complete copy of all of Betty's files here. The other copy is at the University of New Hampshire. I have all of my research and I'd be happy to sit down and show it to, to them. Do you think one of them has taken me up on my no, offer? No, because it's no, all about but power. they stopped bothering me. But you, but, <laughs> but you know what? You know what else is probably really, uh, probably true and also sad is that I guarantee you, none, none of them have read the book. Because, I, I doubt that they have. They because, probably just watched the James Earl Jones movie and they were like, "This is it, one hundred percent." And you know that no Hollywood movie is no. precise. They, it's spun the way you know they want to spin oh, yeah. a story they they wanted to add uh sort of intrigue and mm-hmm. and emotion into it and and wanted to leave it open that well maybe it didn't really yeah. happen maybe right. it was just a dream that sort yep. of thing i do miss those old tv movies based on real life stuff though we don't get that anymore uh-huh. <laughs> I, I do miss those <laughs> So um, I wanted to, in, in a, uh, if this is too personal of a question, uh, just let me know and I'll we'll take it out. Um, have you ever had your own experience? Because I know some of these things tend, they many people have alluded to they run in families. Mm-hmm. And of course your work yes. with MUFON. Right, and your work with MUFON and other things. But just curious if you've ever had your own experience. Well, let me say that uh, I have. It does, it is uh, intergenerational. Uh, among 60% of our abductee group, they were aware that another member of the family had been abducted too. I think that the percentage was probably higher than that, but uh, but 60% is highly statistically yeah, significant. Really. Yeah. And yes, uh, my mother was taken and I was taken too. I don't know how old I was when it began. Um, Most people are taken for the first time when they're less than 20 years old. The time that I remembered was when I was 17. My mother remembered it too. Um, Betty was working on an experiment with a team of scientists and they gave her a script to read and she would go out onto her back porch and try to send these messages to her <laughs> ET group. That's almost like Stephen Greer, like they're just sending stuff out there. Yeah, <laughs> sort of, but she would say, give the coordinates and uh, I'd like you to land in this place. Well, mm-hmm. she kept saying, I'd like you to land on my parents farm in south kingston so uh she did that over and over again now i grew up across the street from my grandparents and one night a a craft was observed coming in looked like for a landing there was a commercial pilot who was a neighbor of ours who saw it coming in we found out about that the next day and my grandmother saw it as well and I guess then she ran and hid, but um, <laughs> good, good work. Yeah. <laughs> but you know they could get her if they wanted. Yeah. So um, my mother and I, I think that that was the time when we found ourselves on that craft, mm. and I I was taken you know, periodically, and I was traumatized for a long time because of it. And finally, I found a really caring individual, Denise Stoner, 
whose case I investigated, and uh, she is now Florida MUFON's assistant state director. Mm. But she is highly knowledgeable about this topic. But uh, I investigated her case, and I did the hypnosis with her separately and and with her husband, just like Dr. Simon did with Betty and Barney, and because uh, instilled uh, amnesia after the session. Right. And uh, so, what was I saying about Denise? Now <laughs> that was a point I was going. I to was make. following you though, so I'm not sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're saying that. Uh... Oh, but Denise was the person. Yes, yeah. yeah. Denise was that kind person who was a skilled hypnotist as well. She ran a support group for experiencers, and she worked with me. I had had other researchers work for me, but uh, the memories only increased my fear, Mm. I think, because when I'd become upset, they'd end the session. So what I remembered was that fear. Denise worked helped me to work through that fear you're all right um no harm can come to you uh you know step back from it take a breath are you ready to go back that kind of thing that knowledgeable hypnotists use and uh and it really helped me a tremendous amount i was never going to go public with any of this and then oh about oh six years ago five years ago maybe i was i was working at conferences and it seemed that whenever i was at a conference some psychic medium would walk up to me and say (laughs) you know you really need to tell your own story because it will help so many people and i'd say no i'm taking it to my grave (laughs) but then (laughs) but then i guess it was enough people who said uh, they convinced me anyway i was convinced that well thank you for doing that because you know one of the big things we stress on this show is that you're not alone you know and Mm -hmm. that this isn't a thing that would only happen to you and so when those of us that share our stories and and things like that it, it lets others know that are scared too that it's okay they're alone they don't have to share it but just know hey this happened right. to others as well and i love to hear that there was a support group for experiencers so because we talk about yeah. that all the time how hard that is to find because we get folks that come to us about kids that have been possibly abducted or things like that and they don't know where oh. to turn and it's so hard to find support well, groups and it sounds like that that mufon maybe has a specialized department for that that we were not previously aware of well mufon has the experiencer resource team 45 members who speak to experiencers on a day-to-day basis now anyone under the age of 18 has to be with their parent thank um and have to have written permission in order to talk to one of our support people. But our support people also have a list of support groups and some of them are online support groups. Yes, now those, yeah, we that's pretty much where we end up sending folks to or hitting up some of our connections to see if they know folks in that area or things like that. But, but yeah, so it, that. is it just a matter of, you know, I'm, and, you know, there's probably a little bit of a, of a PSA, but is it just a matter of, <laughs> Um, so I know MUFON has the on the website the report uh, uh, citing um, yeah, section. Yeah, don't do that. Don't do that. 
not not if you're just looking for support okay go scroll down to experiencer resource team it's right on the home page okay. and click on the link to the experience resource team what you'll come up with is a page that shows the photographs of everyone on the team i'm i was the director for 10 years but now i'm a consultant due to time limitations but there at the top of the page is the experiencer questionnaire all you have yep. to do is click on that it's 30 questions true or false don't worry about your score i heard that there were people who uh didn't want to talk to anyone because they only scored 10 or 15 out of 30. well the way that's set up if you get between 15 and 23 you've had experiences for a long time if you get only 10 maybe this is fairly new to you or the realization of yeah. it is fairly new so yeah well, they're I not going to judge you i wonder how many people um as they need to maybe feel connected want to see a high score right and so well, um they, I I mean, we, I, I think I told you that I just saw a um, documentary the other day and it was talking about personality tests and all of the history of that and how that has really kind of screwed us. It has showed us that we're put into a box. And so people have gotten to this point where they do, they feel like they have to score a certain way or answer things a certain way, or they're going to be looked at as something. That's exactly what this documentary talked about is it scares <laughs> people now to take anything like this because they're afraid they're either A, not going to be believed or they're not going to score high enough. They're not going to be considered like valuable. Yeah, <laughs> like, yes. it's crazy or credible. Maybe. Credible, yeah. Right, right. But in the experience or resource team, they're non-judgmental listeners. They're not mm -hmm. going to say, "I don't believe you." I don't believe this happened. That's something for the, the experiencers to figure out. Right. And if you purchase my book, Extraterrestrial Contact: What to Do When You've Been Abducted. You can get an autographed copy from my website at kathleen-marden.com. Uh, it's a comprehensive guide for experiencers and uh, all sorts of information to, to help people. Yeah, I'm curious. I mean, we've talked on my show. I had um, I had recently discovered there was a possible for me when I was four. And, um, you know, I, we were talking about we're getting together in September with another friend of ours who's a hypnotist as well. And I was wanting to take a look to see what I could find because there's two days missing. And I always thought it was a dream until one day I was kind of just throwing it out there to my sister. And she's like, no, I remember that. Like the stuff uh, that would bookend an abduction in, in my opinion. And um, she remembered that too. And then I brought it up to my mom and my mom was like, yeah, I remember that. She's like, Oh my God. Yeah. You guys were missing for two days and I didn't know where you were. And we were, we ended up six miles away from the house. Oh my um, gosh. Yeah. And I always thought it was a dream. And my mom was like, no, I never told you they were divorced. She's like, I never told your dad. Cause I was afraid he was going to take you kids. And like, she was like, oh I had one gosh. more day before it's just this whole crazy thing. So I've been wanting to look more into it for my own stuff because 
Um, another thing, my dad's because my dad still doesn't know that he doesn't really listen to the show, so he still doesn't know. But um, he he's always said that around the age four, he said at four and five, I really changed my personality. Before then, I was really quiet and shy and never really said a word. And then after that, I was hyper and crazy and like got into trouble and things like that. And now I look back and I'm like, man, did that change me? Like, did something happen? Yeah. So I don't know. It's mm. interesting. Well, let me give you some of the most prominent characteristics <laughs> among experiencers of contact. Um, one, uh, you become more spiritual. <laughs> I am two, a, a very spiritual person. <laughs> two, you, be, you become psychic or at least intuitive. Three, you uh, develop, uh, you become empathic, which is a psychic sense mm -hmm. where you can feel uh, another person's emotions mm -hmm. as if they're your own. All of those are statistically through the roof with, uh, with uh, abductees. Well, it's interesting that you say that because uh, so we moved in with my father at when I was towards the end of my fifth year. And uh, that is when my sister and I started experiencing ghosts and things like that my sister still to this day she's a medium she's able which is funny because we talk because she doesn't believe in aliens or anything but she's a medium well maybe she got the gift from right them. and that's what i think so she used to be able to speak to the ghosts and i've always had what i always have joked as ghost empathy because i can feel not just people but the spirits that she's speaking to i can feel that emotion and things like that and we were doing that when we moved in around that time so it probably would have been a year or so after when that happened um, that yeah, all of a sudden we were developing these gifts. I just assumed they were always there, but I never thought about it that we never had any of those instances when we lived with my mom prior to that. Well, and I just, I mean, I, I ticked off all three of those things too. So it's, <laughs> maybe I should go fill out the questionnaire. I know. I, I already got it pulled up. I'm already kind of like click, click. And then I was like, we should start a support group out yeah. here. <laughs> so, um, but yeah. Um, well, and I, it, it's interesting too, not. So I, we've talked about a lot. Um, we go out uh, in in the in the desert, or you know, in Kentucky, we go out in the fields and stuff like that. And we we try to make contact. We've had some some amazing experiences. I don't think we've ever had actual contact that I know of. Um, but um, it, it's 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 weird because here we are trying to initiate contact. But if contact were to actually present itself, I don't know what I would do. Um, you know, would I be Barney? Would I try to flee and, and get back in the car or, or whatever? Um, you know, Stefan has jokingly said that he'll push me in front of him and run away. Um, but I mean, Don't I mean, telling her that I, I, I hope it's a joke. Um, I get scared really easy. I'm but just... I mean, you know, it's just uh, back uh, probably eight or no, probably about a year ago um, when we were really deep into trying to make contact. We had, you know, seen a lot of UFOs in my backyard and things like that. I was walking my dog in the middle of the morning and um, uh, I really got a strong feeling that something was watching me uh, in my backyard. Mm -hmm. And I mean, to the point where my dog was like staring at something in my backyard and I felt very uneasy and I, you know, <laughs> ran back inside. So it, it's, it's just funny how <clears throat> I want to know the answer to the question but when the answer presents itself, I'm like, I'm not ready yet. Just, you know, <laughs> well, it took me years to psych myself out. I'm I'm a hypnotherapist, 
uh, quantum healing hypnosis practitioner. And so I conditioned myself by hypnotizing myself and giving myself words for a rapid induction. It, it really comes in handy when I can't sleep to use it for that. But uh, what I found is if uh, I would see a light coming into my room or feel the presence of entities, I would psych myself, I, I'd do the rapid induction and so that I would uh, be calmer and in a different frame of mind and then i could just like throw love out toward them telepathically oh i love you <laughs> you know that kind of thing and so when you when you do that you get a really good response from them that's that what reminds me of the um what's the um meditation stuff that you me and santosh have been working on the gateway experience yeah we we found the gateway experience and have been kind of doing that your rapid induction reminded me of a lot of that because you can very quickly yeah it's get into it it sets you uh -huh. up for uh you know teaching you how to quickly get into like a really a deep state and how to quickly clear your mind how to quickly go into uh, uh almost a state of i guess you would call it trance where your body's asleep but your mind's awake um, mm -hmm. And so it's, which never worked for me when I need it. I get um, <laughs> I have sleep paralyzation, night hags, always since I was a little kid. You know, just before we got on with you, I was saying I just had one for the first time in a couple months last night, and some things like that. I never think to do it when I'm in there when I'm just like, <laughs> you know, trying to send love there. I'm just like, wait, get me out of here. Like I'm, I need it when I'm stre in stress mode. <laughs> that's, that's what I need. <laughs> Uh huh. Well, you know, it, brain doesn't work that way. It's funny. I was, I was, um, I, I took parts of that what gateway experience um, sessions, and I've, and I've broken them up in an effort to create my own uh, session that will uh, basically do what you're what you're talking about. Uh, mm -hmm. But it, it creates in myself uh, a trigger word that, if spoken, uh, puts me into a very calm, relaxed state. Uh, so that I can be receptive to whatever, uh, you know, signals or, or whatever that I think I should be receiving. Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, it, you know, it kind of builds that in. And then um, I haven't started actually listening to it yet, but uh, that's my intention is to is to basically use some of the methodologies that are found in that gateway experience to code my brain to do certain things when certain uh, words or things are spoken. So. Yeah. Good idea. Or some tones near your car. You <laughs> want to be careful. Because <laughs> right. that was something I was thinking about. You know, they talk about um, old spies or, or like things like that that had these triggered noises or sounds. And, and so I always think about that with Betty and Barney is that, you know, those trigger tones creating that hypnotic state or, you know, that uh, meditative state to be able to take them um you know, because as much as movies always show people going, oh, my God, it's aliens. Run! <laughs> Most of the time it, it's in real life. It's more like what's happening. I don't I can't move. I don't I don't really know what's going on. Oh, I'm here now. Like that's more of what well, we see. Right. So it's like, right. are they able is are they using tones? Are they using um, well, one of the things, things that, that kind of uh, struck me as interesting is. Uh, talks about the craft having uh, almost like the wings that fold out with the lights on either end. Um, that made me think, is that an attempt for hypnosis? You know, is uh, 
uh, using uh, um, flashing lights or just lights in general for you to focus on? It was that an attempt to basically hypnotize them to get them to calm down and calmly go with them. Um, and also, uh, that was uh, <laughs> a little a little eerie uh, when I was when I was reading this part, but the where Barney's looking through the binoculars and he's locked eyes with uh, with the being in the craft. Uh-huh. And he's getting these messages telepathically that says, don't look away. Don't <laughs> right. look away. I'm like, ah, what would I do? <laughs> yeah, just stand there and yeah. keep looking. Stand there and keep looking. That's why Barney broke the leather binocular strap when he yeah. pulled the binoculars down from his eyes. He had to do it so forcefully to overcome those messages yeah. uh, in those crazy eyes of that leader. Well, and again, to show you what an incredible person Barney was to even have that strength to do so, yeah. especially if this had happened before, right? Yes. If we speculate that it had indeed happened before to either him or both of them, that's incredible. I mean, I if I hear a baby cry, I can't even walk away. You know what I mean? It's like, it's like if my dog looks at me, I'm like, fine, I will give you the entire fridge. Like, how is he able to <laughs> just do that and break that? It's, in, it's incredible. He was a very brave man. Phew. He was. So, um, oh, I, I had a question and I totally lost it. Sorry, I threw you off, man. Yep. I got, <laughs> I get excited about this stuff because it's just, I, I love strong oh, people, yeah. man. Like, it's just... I don't, I don't, I don't, I know what it was. Um, so I wanted to ask you, and we ask everybody who comes on. So if somebody's on to talk about ghosts, we ask them what they talk about, you know, aliens or ET. So I'm going to ask a related question. What do you feel about Sasquatch? Sasquatch? Yeah. I, I suspect that Sasquatch is interdimensional, um, from the reason for that is that I've spoken with people who are Sasquatch hunters and and they've given me some information and to them they believe that it's interdimensional and somehow it it appears to be connected to ufos as well well you know and i, and I also have heard uh, i've heard that that interdimensional and, and we actually kind of feel that same way yeah um and one of the things that i've uh, recently thought about is is there, there seems to be in a lot of ufo cases um there is always a talk of an electromagnetism that is put off by the craft. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, does that electromagnetism somehow affect the space to open doorways for Sasquatch and other things to come through uh, into our plane of existence? So that is exactly what I've been pondering for quite a long time. There is a very strong electromagnetic field, and uh, does that strong electromagnetic field open up and like an interdimensional portal through which the ETs come and then if it's left open uh, all of these different interdimensionals yeah. can come in as well or and maybe it's it's one of those things where uh, it has an expiration right so it's opened and it remains open for some period of time before it fades away if you will and so while it's open things can come and go as they please um when it fades away some of those things maybe get stuck in our plane 
until another doorway is opened by another craft, and then they can go back to their plane. So, and then you have your your areas like up in Sedona near me is you know those yeah, vortexes, vortexes and things like that that mm-hmm. that some speculate that were openings that have stayed open due to the energy there's the quartz and the things like that, or others say that those are areas where it's easier to open um, and things like that. So maybe yes. the maybe the better question for you then is not what do you think about Sasquatch, but is there any aspect of the breadth of paranormal that you find difficulty in understanding or be- at least having a, a theory about? I think that it's like the um, black-eyed children that I've heard about, but is incomprehensible to me that, Mm. you know, I I just, I've never seen this kind of thing. There are parts that I, I have difficulty with the, the, the stories about uh, people who are being taken under the earth and claim that these reptilians or oh, yeah. extraterrestrials are doing really bad things to yeah. humans. I suspect that they're, it, it could be happening. I don't know. But I suspect that they're not traveling the vast expanse of space in order to do bad things to humans. Yeah. I suspect that they've been here all along. Right, I was even going to say that some of the, because when you were talking about the flashing lights and the things like that and how easily most people in in these abduction cases or these ufo cases we've seen that where there's been time loss there's a lot of times been flashing lights i'm like if the ancient alien theory is correct let's say we're hybrids or whatever the case may be were we preconditioned ahead of time um and over generations you know it misses some folks and things like that as evolution kind of does with us uh were we kind of preconditioned to be called susceptible yeah susceptible for when they need access to us later yeah, I mean, good, yeah, I, this good is, question. Yeah, but you know, some of those groups say we planted your seed here, and yeah. we come back from time yeah. to time to assist in your development. Well, and um, you know, one of the things that we have talked about quite a bit is that I don't think there has to be it has to be a, a one or nothing situation. Like there, there can be extraterrestrial, there can be interdimensional beings, there can be what some have dubbed ultra terrestrials that is to say they're already here where there's a there's another race living alongside us that we just don't ever see um it doesn't have to be one or the other i mean it can be all of those things absolutely i agree with that uh even with the ets who travel in craft i've worked with people highly credible multiple abduction uh good evidence case where um the the entities in the craft, it was two separate groups working together, but they said that the ones that looked human said that they uh, had what at one time lived on our planet and that there was an environmental collapse and they had the technology to move on. Now, most people had to stay here, but this group had gone, they found another planet Uh, in a binary star system where it's twilight most of the time and they just spend most of their time on their craft now but they come back they say they hop through time and space 
uh, to visit Earth. They don't take anything. Uh, they just come to check up on us. Yeah, so like... that's one group. Then you have other groups of, of uh, each so-called ETs who are uh, collecting DNA from humans and, mm -hmm. and uh, experimenting with a hybridization process, which I believe they've, they've told me is to upgrade the human genome. Um, and be, they're attempting to uh, move us ahead on an evolutionary yeah. scale so we won't be uh, as primitive and barbaric as we are but now. I think, I think that, you know, and we're getting some rabbit holes here, but um, <laughs> I think that my opinion, um, the next evolutionary step for humanity is not a physical evolution, but a, a spiritual evolution. <laughs> They say that that is uh, that our technological growth is out of sync with our spiritual Awareness. development. Yeah. And when you have that pro problem of being out of sync, it can cause huge problems for a technologically advanced but barbaric civilization mm -hmm. where you can just destroy everything on the planet. So that's their major concern. Right. Well, and we, we've talked about before as a theory that um, you know, are the things that, that we're doing on our plane of existence, are they... Um, echoing or rippling across other planes of existence. So we're only aware of, as bad as it still is, about the damage that we're doing to our own planet. But really there are ripple effects that are compounding across dimensions or across planes of existence that they're, you know, we're not aware of, but are still impacting others. And, and that's where maybe some of the attention is being put on stopping the use of fossil fuels and you know all the attention that was put back in the 60s and 70s and 50s about not using nuclear weapons and all of that kind of stuff um, back in the 1950s 1954 there was a woman in maine who was contacted by a group of uh, extraterrestrials and um, she they were uh, giving information to her um some people called it automatic writing, but she said it wasn't really like that. She was just receiving the message like as a medium and writing it as quickly as she could. But they said, those ETs and, and Admiral Herbert Knowles, Rear Admiral Herbert Knowles, uh, uh, Wilbert Smith from the Canadian government, Dwight Eisenhower knew about this. A letter went to him, the Office of Naval Intelligence, the Air Force, the CIA, FBI. They were all involved in this. And I have, if you go to my website, you'll see the evidence and the article that I wrote about it. I'm going to take it down in, in a little while. But anyway, what they said is that our nuclear, when we de detonated thermonuclear bombs, it uh, caused huge problems for our magnetic fault lines and that it caused problems for them because it uh, bled through into all of the other mm. dimensions and caused damage there as well. And that was another big concern that they were voicing back in, back in that time frame. Mm. 
Yeah, I mean, you know, a lot of the, you look at some of the um, supposed projects that didn't happen, some things like the Philadelphia Experiment, the Montauk Project, things that were messing with these wavelengths or these different things where they were messing with time and dimensional things. It's it, even that, yeah, absolutely has to cause some sort of damage uh, in, in some way. It's mm-hmm. got to. Yeah, I mean, it, I, I think, you know, throughout our, the military has not been one to um, excise, uh, you know, caution. Well, I, I, a lot. I think, yeah. I mean, I think throughout, throughout, throughout human technology, if you want to group it all that way, you know, even over across the you know previous thousands of years, we've often um, found new ways of doing something and, and rushed full steam ahead into doing that. And then only found out much, much later that there were negative consequences of doing so. We, mm-hmm. we rarely take the time to really understand, uh, you know, cost benefit analysis, if you will, of, uh, of whatever we find. Um, you know, it, it's really most of the time probably driven by the almighty dollar. Um, and um, how much money can we make off of this before it kills us? But I mean, it's those types of things. And I think, again that that spiritual evolution for us to realize that a we're not the only things uh alive in our solar system galaxy uh cluster so on and so forth we're likely not the only things uh intelligent living on the planet um i mean just even some animal life uh is is has you know dolphins octopuses i mean those things are are have have massive intelligences just because they can't speak to us in English. Does well, that's mean- something I just learned was SETI. One of their big things that they do is work with whales and dolphins to try to understand the, the language that they use when they communicate uh, as a way to teach us how to communicate in a different way than how we're used to communicating. Um, uh, the, I, I didn't know that. You always think of just SETI listening yeah. to the stars. But, yeah, that's one of their huge projects I just learned was, was – trying to figure out the language because it's not words it's not this but they can completely understand each other even when its frequencies are different like it's still ways to communicate similarly yeah and mm-hmm. i guess to to finish off my little soapbox there it just say that um <laughs> that we um we're not we need to move past the arrogance uh yes. of, of humanity and realize that what we do has uh, rippling consequences across time, space, whatever, um, and, and start to really think about um, the future of our race and our uh, race on this planet or in the cosmos, and not so much about individually um, how we need to advance. I agree. Very well stated. Mm-hmm. I was going to add to that and say I do I do improv comedy and I teach improv and theater and I teach a lot of corporate team building, but the same can be said about many of these ideas. The main uh, focus there is yes and. It's, it's if we could just listen to what anyone says, agree with it and see how we can add to it or work with it. My God, the things that we could do in this world and, and some of these um, pseudo sciences could probably be advanced a little bit more if we would just give people a chance and say, all right, well, let's try to work with it and let's see what happens yeah. with my resources. You know, we've, yes. we've said it a lot before. Um, the science of today was the magic of yesterday, and the magic of today is the science of tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, we 
we have to start looking at what are the possibilities like our conversation earlier in the in the evening around what scientists are willing to look at and accept and explore um you know we have experimental uh, physicists and we need experimental metallurgists we need experimental uh, chemists and so on and so forth to go out there and really think about and, and look at things in a new way and, and try to figure out if there's a different way of doing something something we haven't even thought about before I agree and it's it's unfortunate that we have come to a, po- a time where it is uh, dis- I believe that uh, a- academia discourages exploration they seem more than ever to want us to uh, adhere to the zeitgeist of the old guard and uh, this it, back in the 50s it was a lot easier for uh, scientists to study UFOs scientifically mm-hmm. there were some big names PhDs who uh, were very vocal and public and and uh, there really was a good exploration of all of this, of congressional hearings, etc. And then it was all turned into something that was either kooky or fraudulent. Yeah. And unfortunately, that I I know the background of that. I've done the the study of it in archives, and you can read that in Fact Fiction and Flying Saucers, but. Uh, it's really sad, and I hope that we will begin to expand our knowledge without yeah. retribution. Yeah, yeah I mean, and that's I, what I'm hoping with you know tomorrow's things, whatever it may be. It is it has put light back on this um, so well. Um, it, 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 these newer generations are very accepting to this and, and things like that. And I hope that there are more torchbearers, you know, like, like Betty was, she stood bay and strong and then handed that torch to you and you carried that torch because we need to learn from the past generation and take those, some of those PhDs and those scientists that were vocal about it and carry that forward. But, and, 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 and not just feel like you have to start a new we need to teach some of these younger generations that there is a ton of information that is out there if you just know where to look for it and you can start from there yeah absolutely history is important 100 percent. yep and, and, and nothing that we you know from a ufo perspective nothing that we are experiencing today is new it, it's mm-hmm. it's been happening for hundreds of if not thousands of years and documented generation after generation after generation. So it's just semantics, right? <laughs> so. That's how you say it. Um, well, I, I think I don't want to uh, keep you too late here. We've we've been going for about an hour, but um, I, I do want to thank you again uh, for coming on. Um, I know you, you mentioned your website, Kathleen-Marden or Dash, whichever people prefer to say. dot uh, com. Um, is there anywhere else that uh, people can look and find your information or anything else about you? Uh, mostly the website. I okay. I have Facebook, but I don't go there that often. I I, I stay quite busy. Yes. Yeah, so if you, you want to know where I'll be speaking this year, uh, you Which, can yay, go to my website too. You can order autographed copies of my books there, and then there are the articles that I mentioned that you can read for free. Yes, they are fantastic. And we'll be sharing that on the post as well, the website and all of that. And again, thank you so much, like I said, for carrying the torch that that Betty lit 
and continuing that journey because your work has been so influential just with MUFON and everything in these books. And um, like I said, this was a bucket list for us. And we thank you yeah. so much for taking your time and just being a, honest and fun. It's been a <laughs> well, fantastic Well, thank you so much. I had a good time too. <laughs> <laughs> and anytime you need to do anything to promote anything, we're always here. We would love to have you back anytime. And we will be seeking out you speaking as well. So. <laughs> okay. Thank you so much. Uh, tomorrow, I will be speaking at Contact in the Desert. Ooh. Oh, yeah, that's the, that's the, is that the virtual? Um, it's the virtual yeah. conference this year, but uh, Roswell is coming up, and that's going to be live this year. Yeah, I saw that. I'm, you I'm see excited. that on my website. Yep. Well, again, thank you, thank you, and, uh, and thank you. I, I don't want to end it because it's like an old girlfriend. Like, hey, you say you say goodbye. I always have such a good time. Thank you so much, Kathleen. You're welcome. My pleasure. Thank you. Thank you so wow. much, Kathleen. Um, you are, I mean, you are the queen of this this community. And I just... Again, I cannot stop saying thank you. I, I know you're yeah. not even here now, but I'm still telling you thank you, not just for being on the show, but just for the work yeah. that you have done and the work that you do. And I'm so anxious to see what happens tomorrow with Disclosure and see where that takes you, where it takes all of us. And uh, I'm sorry. I'm just I'm starstruck, man. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's uh, it, it, it was a great conversation. Um and it was it was nice um you know it's kind of like when uh we first got started uh in our journey and i would read uh you know books by john keel um and he would express opinions or theories that i was also having and so it was like a little bit of a you know like a a reassert you know reassurance that i was these were valid theories and so it was nice tonight to be able to talk with kathleen and and express some theories and thoughts and, and have those things again reassured that someone else is thinking uh, that way as well. And For so, sure. um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I thoroughly enjoyed uh, tonight. Um, and, you know, like every other conversation uh, of the type, we probably could have kept going for a long time because it was just. Um, I, yeah. I'm just telling you, man, I want to get her and Andrea Perrin in the same room because they very much reminded me of one another and the way they approach yeah everything and uh especially with andrea's now more vocal um yep. talk of ufos and and things like that i would very much love to be in the same room with them um and and go through that <laughs> yeah yeah and, and it's um you know you know it's unfortunately that we will uh never be able to uh you know talk to dr friedman I know. um Passed away in 2019. Yeah, I if mean, it would have been a, 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 also a great conversation. So um, it was nice to, you know, to hear the insights from Kathleen about mm -hmm. the way he approached things and things like that. So, I mean, it's just, again, um, you know, I know what it feels like for me anyway, that this show has uh, taken a shift more towards the UFO side of things. But um, it, these are just fantastic conversations again and i and i i don't i feel like i'm rambling but i'm just i'm i'm all, I'm all charged up um i am too and and that's why i'm going to segue here so we can start to get wrapped up and, and get into um the the true encounter from the fearscape that we've got this week
we've got a story here, a true story. Um, I, I wanted to find something that felt a little more along the lines of what we would be talking about since we had, uh, you know, the niece of Betty and Barney Hill. And uh, this encounter comes from actually a listener uh, named Chris. Uh, didn't want to say where they were from, um, but this is their true encounter from the Fearscape. And and just get ready. This one's a, this one's a tough one. Uh, so, um, the other night, I, uh, I woke up and um, I, could, I could feel a presence in my room. I looked over to my right, and to my horror, I saw a skinny, I saw a skinny gray figure. I then looked over to the end of my bed, and there were three more skinny gray figures standing there. And I remember thinking to myself, no, no. No, no, this cannot be real. I, I could feel their presence, and, and it was like they were trying to communicate with me non-verbally. I, 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 I don't know how else to explain it. I, I thought that it, it, it must just be sleep paralysis. I, I mean, I've experienced that before, but this time it felt different. I then all of a sudden felt myself being pulled out of my bed by an unseen force and I was literally floating in the air. I tried to scream. I tried to yell out, but no words came out. I, I pleaded in my mind for the figures to stop. Please stop. Please pick someone else. Pick on someone else. But my pleas went ignored. So I just closed my eyes. And then I felt what was like an anesthesia face mask being put upon my face. And that's the last thing that I remember before I opened my eyes again. And the figures were gone. I had never had any strange experiences like this before. And I don't have any mental health issues. I am still perplexed as to what happened. I've always been interested in the idea of aliens, but I have doubted others' experiences until now. And I know, I know this sounds ridiculous, but the day before this happened, I, I even half-jokingly signed a petition that called for the Galactic Federation to reveal themselves. <laughs> However, these beings didn't seem like they were good-intentioned. Well, wow. yeah, I, I, I mean, how, uh, you know, I, 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 I got this this morning. Okay. <laughs> um, and this hasn't, I always find it odd that things happen. You know, I, I had yeah. my encounter last night and some of it in a lot of ways were strikingly similar and in, in some regards. Um, yeah. I mean, it's, it's also very interesting that, um, you know, I had uh, the sightings that mm -hmm. I had last night in preparation or, 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 you know, before this, you know, for this recording tonight. So, yeah, it's it's uh, very um, fortuitous. Yeah. Again, uh, you know, I know that when this episode will be released, uh, the government uh, disclosure docs will have already been released. And so I, I hate to be a week behind on that, but I'm excited to see what happens tomorrow uh, on June 25th there to see 
um, what happens. I, I hope it's something enlightening. I mm-hmm. hope it's something fascinating. I hope it's something that is just like we talked to Kathleen about, something that can move this forward yeah. instead of back like it did during the I time mean, of the Condon Report. And I stuff. mean, if, if, any, if, if it includes nothing and only says we need more time, that is good for me because that mm-hmm. is still not a closed door, right? right? So even if you just say, hey, we're not 100 percent, it's aliens. But these are definitely something that us and our allies and even our enemies have no idea what they are. I'm also okay with that because all you're doing is saying what we've been saying for a while is that, yes, these are unidentified things. They do exist. You know, at the end of the day, as long as whatever happens doesn't close the door. Exactly. And so uh, just to preface it again, it's like if you've got a story, a true encounter from the Fearscape, whether it be uh, ghosts, aliens, demons, I don't care, whatever, Sasquatch, yep. send us your story, fearscapepodcast at gmail.com or go to at fearscapepod at any of our social medias and send us those stories. Uh, we love to hear them. We believe you. We are here to believe you. We want to believe you. And you are not alone. I mean, even Chris here talked about, hey, I don't have any mental issues. I don't think yeah. mental issues, whether you have them or not, says that your encounter is invalid. I, even well, if you did have, I have mental issues. I have yeah. anxiety and depression and, and ADHD and all well, kinds of stuff. And, in you know, like we've talked about before, I mean, I think a lot of times people are eager or, you know, jump to mental issue classification Mm -hmm. when it may not be the case. I mean, Mm -hmm. you know, sometimes it's worth just listening to someone and hearing what they have to say. Exactly. Um, So we're going to get out of here, but just a very brief reminder to join our Patreon, patreon.com slash fearscape pod, or just go to fearscapepodcast.com slash support. Um, You can also go to fearscapepodcast.com slash shop or uh, store, excuse me. Both. Oh, both. Well, there you go. Uh, as another way to support us, say you want something out of the deal. So, and you don't want to do a high tier or anything like that, but you just want a one-time thing. You want to buy a t-shirt or a mug or a sticker or whatever. Those are ways to help us. And uh, plus it helps us. If you're getting one of our logo pieces, then you can, you know, brand market, but we have other things that are not logoed. So there's lots of cool stuff. Plus all the other shows from our network, Fearscape Media Network. Um, There's a number of new shirts for Misters of the Dark and uh, Ghosts in the Attic, Bodies in the Basement. So there's all kinds of cool stuff out there so you can go to uh fearscapemedia.com slash store or fearscapepodcast.com slash store um but josh thank you for coming to phoenix just to do this show today yep, that was the whole reason i came <laughs> for sure um but we love you guys we are gonna get out of here um man keep your fingers crossed for disclosure everybody uh if it hasn't already happened yeah. yet <laughs> and uh but i'm out of here thank you guys so much for listening to fearscape paranormal podcast here on the fearscape media network this has been stefan and uh keep your eyes on the skies folks this has been josh the truth is now And remember, folks, hold those blankets extra tight. Things tend to get spooky when you're listening to Fearscape. Good night, everybody. Good night. We hope you have enjoyed this guidepost on the road of high strangeness with us. And we thank you, as always, for listening and joining our caravan to the weird and unknown. Please consider supporting us as we continue our journey to find the answers we all seek. Fearscapepodcast.com forward slash support.